Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 123. I thank you for joining me again. Um... And downloading the podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing fine. We are locked into our houses right now, but um, considering the inconvenience, we're still doing fine. Today we are talking about And I Love Her. It was released July 10th, 1964 uh, on the Hard Day's Night soundtrack. It does feature in the Hard Day's Night film. And it was released as a single that same month uh, with If I Fell as the B-side in the United States only. And there it reached number 12. And um, I, I don't want to get into it, but I think they had the sides wrong on that one. If I Fell should have been the A-side, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm going to be upfront and honest. I don't like this song. Uh, McCartney... Uh, said it was the first ballad that he impressed himself with. Lennon called it McCartney's first yesterday. I think it's boring. And that's not to say there's not some clever aspects to it. Harmonically, there's some cool stuff going on. I think George's guitar work is beautiful. Uh, Paul's vocal performance is lovely. I just think it's a boring song, and we'll get more into that later. Uh, Lennon claims to have written the middle section, the part that I love like ours will never die. Um and early takes of the song didn't include the bridge. So there are other um, there are other people that that kind of support Lennon's claim that supposedly George Martin had said, you know, we need to have a bridge for this song. And Paul McCartney ducked out and Paul and John ducked out and wrote this bridge in a half an hour or whatever the story goes. Um, John says he wrote it. Paul says it was his, that John probably helped, but not enough to call it his entirely. Who knows? Um, It is a nice bridge and a needed bridge because this song, I don't think, can really stand on its own without without that bridge. And it only is two and a half minutes long, even with the bridge and a guitar solo. Harrison wrote the guitar intro. That McCartney in the uh, Living in the Material World documentary that Martin Scorsese uh, produced, McCartney gives Harrison credit for making that song what it is, like really boosting it with that that simple intro. It does not get more simple. If you've never touched a guitar in your life, I can teach you this guitar intro in about eight minutes. There's nothing difficult about it. But, and we've talked about this before, we will talk about it again. Harrison has a gift for creating these very simple earworms that become, uh, you know, crucial parts of the song's composition. In my life, you can't cover in my life without a dun dun da 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 dum. You can't cover something without da dia dun 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 dun. You can't cover I, and I love her without bo dee dee dum. They are as important as an as important to the song as the melody itself. And there's not a lot of guitar players, I can't think of any really, who have contributed more like just essential compositional elements to a song 
than George Harrison has with the little riffs that he's written or the little fills or like these, these short, simple motifs that this one pops up throughout the, throughout the song and really gives this song some, uh, I don't want to say life, but I don't know. It just adds something to the song that if you take it away, it is a mar- it's like taking the bridge away. You know, you wouldn't cover this song and take out the a love like ours. You wouldn't do it. And Harrison is a, a master of that kind of guitar orchestration. Recording um, for this tune began February. February. I don't know why I was saying it like that. <clears throat> February 25th, 1964, which was George's 21st birthday. And the, the band also recorded on this day. Listen to this, guys. They're getting ready. They have to start filming Hard Day's Night like the next week or something like that. Um, so they're going in to record this. On this day, they laid down takes. They, they don't necessarily finish them, as we'll talk about. But they begin work on And I Love Her, You Can't Do That, and I Should Have Known Better. And You Can't Do That was... Uh, they they did the most work on it and got it the most complete because they were rushing that out to be the um to go on the single. But that is what other band goes into the studio and in one day records three songs like this that are legendary songs that all three of these songs rank among Beatles fans' favorite songs. You can find someone to claim any one of these is their favorite song by that band. Um and they did this all the time. It was incredible. So they did just did two takes on this one. On this day, the song is heavier. It's got an electric guitar solo. It's got a different guitar intro. Ringo's playing a full drum set. Um, the following day, February 26th, band goes back in, totally forgets those first two takes, goes and records takes three through 19. And somewhere along the, the point of these uh, 16 takes, Ringo abandons the drums and decides he's going to do claves and bongos. Um, but the best master still doesn't come out of this session. It's not till the third day, February 27th, they uh, do a second remake. And on the second take of the second remake, which is number 21, if you're counting in total, they have what they call the best take. And that's it. Um, then it goes into mixing and all that kind of stuff. So basically, they spent three days on this, and on the third day, after two takes, they finally have nailed down the arrangement the way that we um, know it now. Now, harmonically, there are some clever moments to this, and I will give that to them. The, the reason I don't think I like this, I think maybe it's a little too slow or something, but there's something about this that it feels like this was a song Paul McCartney wrote because they said you need to have an acoustic guitar ballad and we need it in 10 minutes. And he's good enough at songwriting that he can come up with a masterpiece like this, but it doesn't feel um, like he sat down and this song just came to him. This feels like, you know, they all, they often said we sat down and wrote a swimming pool. This feels like one of those songs where they, he was consciously, um, just writing a hit. And obviously, I just told you, this didn't even start as an acoustic ballad. So that's that's not true, but that's the impression that I get. When I hear it, it feels like just kind of a run-of-the-mill, like he could pound this out in his in a real short amount of time and be done with it. 
Um, but like I said, harmonically, it is clever. The song opens with a uh, on the two chord. We're in the key of E. He opens with a two chord and then goes to the one chord. So it's just two to one, two to one. But what's cool, and this is possibly George's influence here, because he's starting on a two chord, then goes to one. But George's guitar riff ends on a C. I am not looking at my key signatures. It ends on a C sharp. And that C sharp is not in the chord of E. It's actually the sixth. So what he's doing is he's going two chord. And then a one six chord. Which is beautiful. And that's kind of, I think, where the... the like Spanish sound comes from on this one. The Beatles did love their six chords. Um, and then from there, it goes into the chorus. And listen how long, usually the tonic, which is your one chord. So in this case, since we're in the key of E, the tonic is E. It's an E major chord. The chord progression for this is two chord, six chord, two, six, two, six, four, five, one. He goes through the entire verse without ever hitting the tonic chord. So you have this constant pull, this constant desire to resolve. And then back with the six. So that's pretty cool. Um, not a lot of songwriters are going to avoid the one chord for as long as Paul's doing it on this tune. The bridge shifts to the relative minor. It goes up to C sharp minor, which shares the same key signature as E. And I would make the argument that even though we are shifting to the key of C sharp minor, he's actually not changing keys. He's still in the key of C e and that the chord progression is going six five six three six three five so for that we're doing c sharp minor to b back to c sharp minor So that's your five chord. That pulls you back to E. It doesn't pull you into C sharp minor. In fact, we never get a, uh, a G sharp. Well, we do get the G sharp, but it, we don't really ever get anything that establishes this as a solid shift to C sharp minor. It's pulling us back to E. But the clever thing is, is that even though he ends that phrase on the B chord, which should get us back to here, he doesn't. He goes back to F sharp minor. So that's cool. Then, continuing with the harmony, the guitar solo goes up a half step to the key of F, uses that same chord progression from the verse, um, and then the song ends with the same chord progression as the intro. But here's where it gets weird, and if you, if you visit the... Uh, 
a lot of places uh, will misinterpret this, in my opinion. So we get to the the last chorus or the la- the the fade out. Again with the sixth chord. Now we talked on the sunny afternoon episode about Picardy thirds, which is when you end a minor song on the major key. So like in sunny afternoon by the kinks, the song is essentially in D minor, but he ends it on a D major chord. That's called a Picardy third. Now this uh, song often gets analyzed as ending on a Picardy third, but we're not in the key of D and we're ending on a D major chord. So it's a major six chord. Yeah. Major six chord. If we're in the key of F, because what he should do is end on that F six again. But now this sounds all jazzy, right? This is like, uh, how they ended, uh, you know, you know that kind of stuff. So instead, he switches to a D chord, which raises the F to an F sharp. You keep that D, and you've got the A. So it's essentially the same as an F six chord, except you've got this note here raised a half step. Whoops. It's cool. It's not a Picardy third, though, in my opinion, because for that to be true, we would have had to have been in D minor. So harmonically, it's clever. I think George's guitar playing is beautiful. I love the arpeggios that he does on that Spanish guitar. But I I skip this song almost every time. I'm not going to say it's my least favorite Beatles song by any stretch of the imagination, Um, but it's it it might be in my bottom twenty. And if a song like And I Love Her can rank among anybody's bottom 20, that shows the strength of this band as songwriters. But yeah, I just never felt this one. If you think I'm totally full of it, give me a call. 925-494-1739. Email me, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com or swing by our discussion group at herohabit.com. And... uh let me have it. Or if you agree with me, I'd love to hear it. I do love when uh, when we can chat about songs that we disagree on or agree on, but especially if we disagree and, you know, try to bring me to your side. I've been moved before. I'm not so um, staunchly grounded in my opinions of these songs that I can't be make, I can't be swayed. All right. So that's And I Love Her. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Swing by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review, please. And um, download tomorrow's episode. Thanks. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by herohabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. Herohabit.com. Collect your heroes.